0: Greetings and welcome to Nodcast with Nod founding members Paddy Shine and Chris Haslam. Nod bless. All right, Jason, how are you? I'm good, Paddy. Thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, good. 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 Yeah. Nice. Well, thanks guys. for asking us to do welcome this. To the... Yeah, no nah, worries. Mate, Of course. Nice have you. How could we not have you? How could we not have the myth? The man, the legend, Jason Stoll. <laughs> nah, too kind. On the Nodcast. If you wouldn't mind kicking it off, who you are and and, and what you've... A lot of brief. Um, yeah,
1: sure, yeah. We'd like to kick off and do a little, little uh, introduction, yeah. So my name's Jason Stoll. Um, I play bass, guitar. Um, so I've played in a number of different bands over the years. Currently, um, I'm in... Um, five different bands. Uh, I'm in a band called Sex Swing, um, who are on the same label as you guys, Rocket. Um, I'm in a band called Clamp, um, Twin Sister, which is with the guys from uh Dead Neanderthals, Uh, so it's a Dutch based project. Another one called Domes, um, which is some guy you know, Greg Greg Wynn. Oh, yeah. yeah, Alex, um, and I'm also in a band called um, Jaw, which is quite a new project with Wayne Adams, uh, Adam Betts, and uh, Andy Kearns from Therapy.
0: Oh yeah, I was going to say that's your man from Therapy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So
1: we, 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 Wayne and I just had this brief conversation a, few, a couple of years ago about um, how. Um, Wayne should record therapy uh, and then Wayne said to me no we should do a band with Andy so um so I asked Andy and we ended up recording an album like six weeks later wow um, so that's that's the main thing I'm focusing on at the moment because we've got like the album coming out in May um we've had a couple of a uh, single come out recently
2: yeah. So, I heard well,
0: that. I heard that. It's very, very industrial, man. Very heavy.
1: Yeah, well, that was the vibe yeah. we went for—a bit more yeah. like of a nineties industrial heavy vibe. And yeah. uh, I think we captured it pretty well. Definitely. Uh, that's really exciting doing that project. Uh-huh. How did well, you, know I... Cairns? I... Say, say you know Andy Kearns? Say again. Like, how did you know Andy Kearns?
0: Like, how do you know him? Well, it's,
1: it, it's just through. Um, he started liking a lot of. Um like got unknown stuff my label that i do um so he started off oh, the therapy twitter page um instagram page started liking a lot of um got unknown things that have been posting he's a big fan of a band called rainbow grave oh yeah 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 the label them. they're um, great yeah wow. yeah they're brilliant um so i just reached out and said oh thanks for uh liking the stuff and we ended up chatting and it turned out that it was actually andy doing the um the instagram page so we has got wow. to know over that over the past yeah. three or four years um but yeah he's a lovely guy uh really nice um you know considering you know the the, the the level that he achieved with a lot of his music you know like multi-million selling albums and stuff he's he's a very grounded guy and also he's you know still got a massive passion for for great music
0: yeah,
1: um, yeah. So, and I think I think that really comes across, and when when you talk to him, and and the idea for doing this band was purely come out of that. You know that um, he still had the passion to do great things. Um, yeah, Cool.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's cool that he's still like you know. You, you, it's sometimes I don't know. I guess it's easy to imagine that if you do what, what like what he's done, and you might just get a bit bored of like listening to of seeking out new heavy music, but obviously with him getting it, being into God unknown stuff, he's obviously still a seeker, isn't he? He's oh, still totally like, yeah. he looks, he's still well, searching.
1: Yeah. Loads of different independent labels in the UK, elsewhere. He's always reaching out for new stuff. So yeah, he's has cool. you know, got that passion. Um, cool, man. Yeah. Cool. i got like an accolade as well, being in yeah. the band. Cause when I was like a teenager, the first couple of therapy, um, EPs yeah. are
2: really
1: influential for me, so uh, so it's nice sort of full circle to be able. Nice, to be yeah. Nice man. Um, Excellent. So, yeah. And the other thing, we with uh, other bands have been in. I was in a band called Mugstar, uh, and that's how we met you guys. That's how we met. Yeah. 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 A very long time ago. Yeah. Mugstar.
0: Yeah. Mugstar were. A, go on. Well, sorry. Go on. Go on, mate. I was, man, gonna say, I was thinking
1: about it last night. How when we first met, and I think it was when we put you on. White Hills in that church in uh, Liverpool, yeah.
0: where you uh, wear blankets or something
1: over your head. Yeah, when you were keys. yeah.
0: <laughs> we we were talking about this last night because we were chatting to Gareth. You know, remember Gareth Smith from, yeah, from Stranger Strange Sun? Sun? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were chatting to him last night, and he one of his earliest nod memories is seeing us play a gig well we we were doing the similar thing. We were underneath the, the tarpaulins, underneath the blankets
1: yeah.
0: and uh yeah it's uh it's it's a fucking that's a phase of nod I've completely forgotten about what what the fuck we were even doing i don't
2: know <clears throat> but, yeah, um, I think I, I, think
1: I, think so I might have met you before
2: that you yeah. i think i might might have met you before that in a retro bar you were playing retro bar. Around that, I think he was my Stranger Son might have been supporting you.
0: Yeah, that's what I remember seeing yeah. Mugstar first. And Mugstar were this like fucking. I for some reason you all looked like you were about six oh, or seven foot tall. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. like you are, you all are actually, but you all look like giants, and you were fucking a pretty like intimidating kind of. Crew, really, but well, you were that night anyway. To me, and I thought, "Fucking hell, who are these lot? I remember like, you all. Look like,
2: I remember you all looked like boxers. Yeah,
0: yeah, there
1: you go. <laughs> <laughs> we, always, we always used to train uh, <laughs> prior to a gig. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but uh, there was there was something about it. There was something fairly like you know, not like intimidating, like like scary, like a bunch of fucking meatheads or something like that. But there was something about it. And with the sound as well, at that time for me, I don't know, I guess the, the Mugstar sound was kind of fresh, new to my ears. Like I wasn't listening to a lot of music like that, you know, I wasn't around that kind of music really. And it was fucking heavy, man. Really yeah. good. Really, really good. It was really a great, great
1: experience playing in that band. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, led me to meet
0: a lot of great people. You saw yeah, that. you. yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you must have been going on for a while that. I mean, how long were Mockstar playing together?
1: Well, I I I joined I was in them for 16 years, um but prior to that they've been going for like maybe 10 years before that.
0: Wow. Well, I never
1: really played any gigs outside of Liverpool until uh, I joined. Haven't really released anything apart from a couple of CDR sort of demos. Um So yeah, they, I my old band in Liverpool, we used to play with them quite a lot. And uh, you know, for me, they were like this mm. most amazing thing I'd ever seen when we first
0: started playing with them in Liverpool. So what was, was your what was your old band? band? What was that? Yeah, it was more of an indie
1: rock thing. It was a bit more influenced by so Sebedo, um, Super Chunk, okay. sort of Sebadoh, Superchunk. Okay. We did a couple of singles on uh, on our own label. John Peel played us a few times, um, and yeah, got a few uh, features in the enemy. But
0: yeah, it's um, yeah, what he's called? Oh yeah, it, we we
1: called playhouse,
0: playhouse. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do Yeah. So, is there any of that online? Can we watch any playhouse online or anything? Or yeah, I don't I think there's any videos it. online.
1: Um, but I'll send you a link to some music.
0: Yeah, cool. That'd yeah. be great. And would you mind us? Would you mind us sharing it as part of the podcast when we shared the podcast? No, not at all. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's nice to have a little bit of background, you know what I mean, like as much as possible. So,
1: well, my yeah, uh, my my music, my musical career started when I was about uh, well sixteen. I uh, when I left school, I always wanted to have uh, play guitar, but I never never got a guitar. So, with my first ever wages, I um, I bought the cheapest guitar in the shop in this guitar <laughs> shop, which was um a pink Stratocaster. Nice, <laughs> nice metal. But um, I thought you know, <laughs> I would paint it. Well, um, I also thought that before I'll paint it, I'll probably sound like Jimi Hendrix within two weeks. Um, <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> <So> <laughs> had to taking it back to the shop and, and swapping it for a base, um, which is quite a fateful uh, thing to do. To, to, to do, looking back on it now, um but what I realised later that the bass was actually uh, a yeah, fretless bass. um <laughs> <laughs> so My first two guitars were, you know, not very metal at all.
0: <laughs> Although it wasn't when, a metal. Sorry. When did you go for the rickenbacker? When did you? When did you start? Start getting on that then? Yeah, well, I was always like a fan of like
1: Motorhead as a kid and stuff, and I always, yeah, yeah. And um, years ago, I found a cheap copy. um in some, it wasn't cash converters, but it was a similar sort of shop to cash converters. It was ridiculously cheap, like uh, 150 quid at the time or something. Yeah, so I bought it, and uh, I realised that you could also buy the um, the nameplate name so we'll and the headstock nameplate, so I swapped that. And then I actually got uh, well, I've got two now, two originals. I um, I bought one off a guy in Manchester who was um, emigrating to Spain, and I bought it for like 300 quid. Wow. Wow. Um, nice. And I bought one a few years ago off a girl. I used to work with her boyfriend. He was totally into metal, and had recently bought himself a five-string bass and was getting rid of his Rickenbacker. Wow. of him for 400 yeah. quid. That so was... Uh,
0: That's all right, uh, isn't it? Right, so yeah. he's, a, he, he's a proper metaller then, you know, five-string bass, yeah. five-string yeah. yeah. bass, you yeah. know, yeah. 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 That's, that's real metal.
1: <laughs>
0: wow, cool. Yeah. And I love fucking, a
1: Rickenbacker. It's a great, great sounding bass. You know, it's very, very driving and stuff. So. Yeah,
0: I like them. I like them a lot. I, I I wouldn't mind even fucking... They make guitars, don't they, Rickenbacker? I think I've played a Rickenbacker yeah, yeah. guitar. I think I have. One like John Lennon used to have,
1: um, like a um, 365 maybe. Um, but great. they also do one with the bass body... That's, that's the one, yeah, man. yeah. That's the one I've seen. I think the guy from Casabian has one.
0: Right, fucking hell. I mean, you're um, from the band. <laughs> yeah, I, I might, I might hold it off on getting one of them then. <laughs> is it who's your man from Casabian? Isn't that the guy who is it? Is it the guy who, out of the? Uh, is it Noel Fielding? Is that his name? Something like that. He Looks like him. <laughs> Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember Kasabian. I remember my old band Sundowner. We were playing year, this is going like 20 odd years ago or something, and we played at the castle in Oldham. Oh, yeah. And the night before or the weekend before we played at, at the castle, um, Kasabian had played there. And all these kids that had come to see Sundowner were all just like, oh, yeah, you're all right, but you're not as good as Kasabian. <laughs> and, and then, like, sort of like, it's three weeks later, or a month later, Kasabian <laughs> were like the the next Oasis or some shit like that. They were like massive. They became they became a really big band, didn't they? Maybe which kind of, yeah, which kind of shows you how shit they are, really. And you only you only get that big if you're shit, right? These days, <laughs> in, in the last twenty years, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I could be yeah, totally, shit. yeah, I totally agree, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's not going to be the case for Jaw, man. And Jaw, you're going to be the fucking Joe are going to be the exception to the rule, maybe. Do you know what I mean? I think, yeah. <laughs> you never, you never know, man.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah have, you got, have you got Sorry. plans to tour the shits out of it then? Are you going to tour uh, well, it? Well,
1: because everyone's doing their own thing. Like Andy's, the, the therapy have got a new album out this year as well. No way. Okay. Um, wow. Um, wow. So we've got two shows booked. We're going to do runner shows in September, mm. and then hopefully do some things next year. We've been offered quite a few festivals already. I bet you um, have, but we can't do them because people are doing other things. Like the drummer Adam, he plays with Goldie, plays with Jarvis Cocker, and um, so yeah. he, so he's busy as well. Uh, yeah. What
0: just, what Gold? What Gold does he play with? Which one? Goldie. Oh shit, Goldie! Right, yeah. fucking hell! Wow, he must be a fucking sick drummer then. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's fucking amazing. hell. Proper drum and bass drummer. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Nice, nice. Wow, so, yeah, you're all busy boys then. Fucking hell. But what about... the, the, the busy with the studio and all the yeah, stuff. Yeah, so What about the project you've got going with Greg, Greg Wynn, this Domes project? Because that's pretty nice as well. I mean, have you any plans to gig that? Yeah, so we've
1: done... Um, well, we're going to play with
0: you, actually. <laughs> in, uh, in, that's in April, in May, is
1: it? Uh, yeah, we're playing in, uh, I think, is it Amsterdam and then Utrecht?
0: Yeah. Nice. Oh, so you are you gonna play with us in that the uh O-Ochi show, Oki show. Ocki, yeah, yeah. I think so. Oh
1: fucking nice.
0: that would be a nice City. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um well, well yeah, well we hopefully um I can record an album this year and then try and get some stuff, uh try and get it out it's probably beginning of next year and do some shows around it. Who's yeah. in that? Who's in that band? Well, it's uh it's a load of people, English people who live in Holland. Okay. There's <laughs> a girl from Bristol um, called Sarah. Yeah. There's a, drummer, a guy called Rowan who's from up by Carlisle somewhere. Okay. Um, uh, Greg's girlfriend, Rachel. Ah, yeah. Nice. Um, what does Rachel do in the band? She does keys.
0: Ah, okay. Nice. Nice. Which,
1: yeah, it seems like a lovely thing to do. Greg and I have been talking about it for a few years, about doing something a bit more um, like a sad song project. Cause he nice. said he had a of songs which are really like down. I had a yeah. load as well. So okay. we just had ideas backwards and forwards to each other. Uh, nice. And nice. yeah, it works really well. I think Greg and I really work well together. Uh, yeah, cool. We do clamp together as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anything
0: got anything happening with clamp? Are you recording anything new or? Well, we've got. Uh, we're going to record with Wayne in uh, the end of May. Okay. Wow. Um,
1: so the band has actually grown into a six-piece now because Rachel's joined that one as well. Oh, wow, we, fucking hell. Also up. got um dev for my idols to play second bass. Okay. Wow. So, could be an interesting, uh, interesting. Thing. Jesus
0: Christ, man. I mean, fucking hell, Jason. Where do you get all the time and fucking energy to do all this fucking shit, man? Yeah, fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> Yeah, when
1: objectively i'm like fucking hell how do we do this but then not every band is like full-on all the time you know so yeah.
0: yeah,
1: like next this month we've got a sex win show then we're going to go away for a few days to do some writing yeah. Um maybe i've got nothing else booked and then next month it's going to be more jaw stuff mm. and then the month after that it's going to be clamp yeah um, so it tends to work in that way of just like putting a sort of
0: yeah. Saying, um yeah. I, I could do I, I could do it. Really? I could do it getting a bit more organized like that. Because I'm I'm like yourself. I, I don't always live in the UK or live where I'm not always where my bands are, where yeah. the people I want to play music are. So I'm back and forth all the time. And it's fucking it stresses me out a bit, even though I choose to do it. It yeah. kind of stre- it stresses me out a little bit because. I'll have times, you know, it's a bit like this, when you're somewhere, you wish you were somewhere else. I have a lot of that, you know. I'd be somewhere and I'd be like, fuck, I should be over there doing this now. I need to get a little bit more organised in, like, where I w- actually, like, picking times and dates to do stuff. But
1: I think that's it. Just try and be a bit more, sort of, Yeah. Rigidly, what you what you want to yeah. do and achieve and have some time set aside for each individual.
0: Yeah.
1: I've found it works for me, you
0: know. Yeah. I mean, I do all right with it. I have a few projects on the go and they're all, stuff's all happening. We're all getting releases and gigs, but I'd actually just wish I could spend more time playing music with people. You know what I mean? It's all good. I mean, I have these big gaps of not having anybody to play music with. Do you know what I mean? Like within the projects, I have time on my own, which is fine, but yeah. I'm starting to think now I need to be around people more to actually play. Um, but I'll work it out. It's all. You know what I mean? So it's good to see somebody like yourself who's fucking got two kids and fucking traveling all over, five fucking bands, and you're making it work. You know what I mean? It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Right, fair play, man. Gotta make it work. You know, it's what yeah. yeah. I
1: want to do and I need to do as well. You know, I feel it was like for years I worked as a, in a job and um and not having that constraint now really yeah helps me get more free to be able to do everything I didn't want to do. Yeah
2: nice is it, man. Is your music the main your main income then now? Is that your main job? Well it's more trying to
1: do the label more as a full-time job. Um right, yeah. we'll have to do little bits here and there as well to just sort of make ends meet but yeah of course. Uh, sorry
0: of course yeah, oh, yeah of course yeah, yeah. but it's, it's hard hard well, to survive on on the music alone isn't uh, it you know yeah. but what i mean is like for years when when i was doing mugstar especially
1: i worked uh you know as a social worker for, for many years work full time yeah I would do the band as well of an evening and I'd go travel to london do a show come back and go to work the following day and stuff yeah so, yeah yeah. Uh, so not having to do that anymore is, you know, having like, a, you know, maybe a part-time job here and there, yeah. it's a lot more freeing to be able to, you know, do the, to do what I want to do with the music. and
0: For sure, man. Yeah, and like, I think when you'd made that, probably when you make that decision, you made that decision to not do the job and step into what you should actually be doing, which is obviously doing the music. Shit just starts to fall into place anyway. It does, man. Do you,
1: yeah. know, do you yeah. know what I mean?
0: When you make the decision to fucking really go for the thing, the dream, the thing that you want to do, everything else just starts to slot mm. in. That's yeah. how it is. It's when you fight against it, I think, is when it, it becomes difficult. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's what I think anyway. Yeah, I, totally, the, I totally agree uh, with that, yeah. How's the label going? Like, how is God Unknown going?
1: The label's good. Um, so I had a couple of big releases last year. Um, so I released this modern Monster Magnet record, which was um they um the guitarist who was in the original Monster Magnet, uh, John McBain, I've known him for years because he used to uh, master a lot of the Mugstar stuff and he started mastering um God unknown records. Yeah um, he's like proper proper legend. He he starts started Monster Magnet. He was in loads of other bands, and um, he's very well-known well, well known and well-liked, you know, in yeah. the music scene. Um, yeah. So I got the opportunity, like when I was a kid, like Monster Magnet, Tab, and Spine of God records were, like, very influential for me. Um, so John asked me one day if I wanted to reissue a version of Tab, which, you know, obviously <laughs> I said yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know that was quite a quite a big deal doing that last year. Uh, that okay. Time. So I mm-hmm. got that. Did a seven inch with Low. Um, yeah. Did um, a Duke Garwood record if you know him. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He did some stuff with Mark Lanigan over the years. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going. It's moving forward. and Got like, quite a lot of issue uh, records coming out
0: this year as well. Are you allowed to tell <laughs> us give us a give us a clue of some of the
1: yeah? Of, so uh, what have we got coming up? We've got um, there's this uh, Italian woman. I'm releasing a record for called Laura Riga. Um, it's uh, quite drony. Um, she's a she plays organ, the bass player and drummer. Quite drony, sort of jazzy, jazzy in inverted commas. Yeah, uh, it's got yeah. a flow with it. It's a really beautiful record. So Releasing that um, in April. Um, what else have I got? Um, I should know. I've got. To <laughs>
0: should remember this.
1: Um, a record by a guy called John J. Presley. I don't know if you know him, no,
0: um, no, no. Uh, Going to be doing
1: heard. some stuff with um, a guy called Scott McLeod, who was in. That Name Rings a bell. He was in Girls Against Boys?
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I remember them for sure. Yeah,
1: they were great. Gonna release yeah. a record for him. And I'm working with this Italian um Spanish band um who recorded a couple of records and uh, sorry tracks with Mark Lanigan, Pete Simonelli, um from The Enablers, yeah, and again from Girls Against Boys. Uh
0: what else? Yeah, it's oh, nice,
1: like, nice like, man. There's a whole year worth of worth of stuff coming out.
0: Nice. Wow. Yeah, nice. You've got your and you've you've obviously got your own thing going there because a lot of those artists and people you're mentioning there like that wouldn't be on my radar. Do you know what I mean? So you've got your you've got your your radar. You're finding your your shit, your sound. You know your people for the label. That's great. You know, so you're obviously somebody that still listens to a fuckload of music and still searching. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You never get bored of it. It's, it's a
1: constant thing. Um, do I get bored of it? Uh, well, for a, for a little while, I started listening to audio books just to like, yeah, get mind out of it for for a yeah. little while. So um, I go through phases of that listening to music constantly, and then we will go through phases where I just need to not listen to yeah. a lot of new music, and yeah. um, that doesn't last very long, to be fair. Okay.
0: But, yeah. 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 For me, I find that. Um, if I am trying to make music, if I'm trying to write, or even if I'm just getting in the zone to think about writing, I have to maybe just step away from listening to music, you know, or or other people's music. You know, I can listen to maybe the, the stuff that I'm doing or ideas, but I can't, I, that's, that's when I'm not listening to music is when I'm trying to write. Um, but I mean... But I think do,
1: that's, that's, there's a purity in that, isn't
0: there? You know, yeah. like, if you're not
1: focusing on listening to anything else, and there's not any of that influence coming in, then there's yeah. a purity in the sense of you're writing stuff that really is
0: you. Yeah, mm. yeah, maybe. And I also think though that oh, what could be happening there is that I'm getting filled up to the brim of stuff that I'm hearing, and that's and then that needs to pour out. Do I mean, you know what I mean? So, like, when I've got full filled up with it, I'm like, oh, I can't handle it anymore, and then that's when it'll start to come out. You know, it's like fucking, you know, like anything really. I like, that you 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 know you're consuming at some point, it's going to start. You're gonna start fucking sort of acting it out in some way. So that, that's how it works for me. But I'm always amazed that people like in bands forever and ever and who play music all the time can still listen to so much music and new and seek out new music, you know? I mean, I would say I'm a bit lazy in that. I still seek out new music and I still... But I kind of wait for people to present it, to me, you know? I don't go always out, like, scouring the internet, Bandcamp, SoundCloud or whatever to find new stuff. I kind of just wait for it to come to me. So I'm always, like... I think that's the thing about being passionate about running a label like you are. It's like, you're actually actively seeking out the new sounds and talking to got reaching out to people to get them as well. You know, that's the difference between running a label properly and just doing it as a fucking hobby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, So you're doing it properly, obviously, man. So (laughs) fair play, fair play. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard what? so many
1: great things over the years from doing that, just like randomly, you know, we'll listen to one thing that leads to something else. And then you've found like a whole new area of music you never listened to. And yeah, I you was know, into that. And
2: Yeah. What first cool. got you into music, Jay?
1: Um, well, when I was a kid, it was my, um, my cousin. He, he was, um, he was into like Kiss, um, Motorhead. Iron Maiden, stuff like that. So he was a three years older than me. Um, yeah. so he sort of influenced he was going, listen to this, listen to this. So it got me into to metal really when I was a, yeah. when I was a kid.
2: Um did you listen to and, music before that? Did you listen to anything? Did well, you into anything? Well, my before mum, that. My
1: mum was very much into the Beatles and stuff, so we always had Beatles records on in the house and um I'm still a big fan of the Beatles now. Yeah. You know, I uh I think I don't know if you know there's, there's a red and blue compilation, yeah, double yeah. album. Yeah, with, got day with the, they were on constantly, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. So
1: it was always the Beatles. My dad was more of the Kinks, who fan, um, so would listen to them a little bit, but mainly more the Beatles. Nice. And that's a lady, I think. I think. Can, my you the, was,
2: can you remember the first song that really uh, did something to you, like changed your kind of sent yeah. you somewhere?
1: Yeah, I remember. Um, I always used to put on Here Comes the Sun as a kid on repeat on the record player. Yeah, um, yeah, it's an uh, uh, even now, listening to that album really gives me tingles. Yeah, to wow, it. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I have that with like the first album I really remember as well though, from being a kid. I can still listen to it now and go back to that place, yeah, and and and. And, you know, and it relights really the to fire every time I hear it as well. You know. What true. about you, Chris? What about you, Chris? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I've spoke about it before on previous podcasts we've done, but... Um,
0: I don't remember. Who was no. it? Come on.
2: I mean, I was really affected by certain songs when I was a kid. Like, I remember Bright Eyes by um, Art Garfunkel really affecting me. Like it used to just send me in flood. It's a emotive
1: song, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and I looked up the. I looked up the year. I think it was like. I think I must have been like two or three years old at that point when that was out. But every time it came on the radio, I just used to start fucking crying. Wow! And asking my mum why I was so sad and stuff, and. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I remember a lot of old folk music called uh, like Lancashire folk music like um like fucking matchstick men matchstick cats and dogs that track um you know like uh mike Harding. remember like my dad had these mike Harding live records and he used to listen to them and he'd like he'd do jokes and then like do a song and yeah just just stuff like that really and um yeah, like Michael Jackson, Madonna. A bit later on, just obsessed with Michael Jackson and Madonna. Um, yeah, but there was a there was there was some definite records when I was really young that really even now when I listen to pop music from like the early '80s or the late '70s, it just there's certain like Rolls Royce, Love Don't Live Here Anymore. I remember. Oh, yeah. Listening to that, just just these really sad, emotional songs that used to just yeah. make me feel like crying, you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah,
1: that's a beauty music,
2: isn't it? That it is, yeah. um, and Anthea and Donna, yeah. um, uptown up, top, top ranking, up, uptown top yeah. ranking. Apparently, I used to sing and dance to that when I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you
1: should sure next time I
2: see you. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. You
1: show us your dance next time I see you. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's right. Just like a toddler, just jumping up and down on the spot. <laughs> yeah, so
0: well, it's mad. I mean, the music game now, like all the options you have to kind of do stuff, whether it's a podcast, you know, have a fucking Patreon or yeah. fund your albums via GoFundMe you know, a different Instagram page for every fucking band that you've got or project, yeah. a different band camp page for every band you've got, you know, it's, it's just mental really, isn't it? Like spend so much time sort of um, online doing stuff. Mm. But I, I, but I think it's great. I think like, I think if you're willing to put the work in and do it
1: yeah.
0: Um, over time, you know, it, 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 it'll pay off, maybe not always fina- financially, but it pays off in, in, in other ways too. You know, yeah. <laughs> how I, think do you, how
1: learned, I think what I've learned over the years, a lot of the stuff within music, it's all about networking it. It's about like people yeah, that you yeah. know uh, yeah. you know, building on those relationships, those friendships and stuff. And yeah. I think that's the most important thing, you know, to, to be a, and as you say there, it's good good doing these podcasts is a good way of keeping in touch with people.
0: Yeah, yeah, But just sure. having that contact
1: with people and having a network of people around you yeah. just brings a lot more to you. Yeah.
0: And, and tell me, how do you find sort of uh, gigging, like, nowadays, like, post-pandemic and fucking uh, Brexit and all that stuff? Like, do, do you know notice much difference in touring or...? or to be honest uh...
1: I haven't really done an awful lot. Uh, yeah. Before COVID, well, the year COVID happened, we went to do, like, quite a big Sex Wing tour. Um and I got obviously cancelled. Uh, but I haven't really done many gigs since. Um, well. I have done tours. Um, did a few shows with Clamp in the UK. Um, but yeah, it's something that I'm hoping to do again. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a bit more I found it a bit more difficult to sort of organise things in the you know the, the intermediate period straight after COVID. But mm-hmm. it seems like things are getting a lot easier. Uh, but then mm-hmm. with living here, I haven't really f- had much issues with Brexit or anything. Um, when Sexwing did a show, uh, a festival here last year, they flew here, so there was no like Carne or anything to, to organise. I already had T-shirts and merchandise here already. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know I spoke to you both about the – Cornet thing and, and Brexit and stuff, it's um it's sort of fucked things up a hell of a hell of a lot, hasn't it? We're like, you know, you look back over the years and think about how easy it was to be able to just get in a van, come across to France, mm-hmm. go and tour around Europe, have a great mm-hmm. time without any hassle. And mm-hmm. now it's like a lot more it's it's overworking it, it's doing yeah. like, just a bit more, bit more of a headache.
0: It's totally doable. The thing, one of the things that pisses me off about it that I've noticed since we, we've been coming back and forth since the Carne stuff, and I shouldn't jinx this by saying it, but I'm going to say it because it's pissed me off and I'm going to touch wood. I'm going to touch wood saying it. But so the whole Carne shit, you go through the rigmarole of filling out the Carne and all your gear on it, right? Everything you've got to do on it. And then you pay you're 500 quid yeah and you get to the stop 24 or the place where they got you go to check your shit nobody Mm -hmm. nobody checks it nobody fucking looks in the van you're just paying the money for the bit of paper like pure proper bureaucracy and Mm -hmm. like okay it's good it's good because you don't have to be stood around stalling and whatever but at the same time it's annoying because you're like this is just about money it's about nothing else and uh, that's the most annoying thing, really. Like it's yeah. just, it's just For
1: the time that you don't do it.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: So you know, yeah. It's,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. Well, how so, did
1: you find it then coming
0: over? The, 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 it was just more paperwork. Just paperwork. Yeah. I mean, we we use a company. Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but basically, we just give them four hundred or five hundred quid and they sort it all out for us. Okay. Basically, that's what we've thats what we done. Because initially, we tried to do it ourselves, didn't we, Chris? And we went on the, yeah. the, the government website and that, and we were just like, oh, my God. You pretty much well, have to
2: have, a like, a representative. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like a touring agent or something like that. Right. So we could probably get a representative to do that. But, I mean, it's just easier just getting this roger. Roger Patterson, I think he's called. Yeah, Roger. And, um, yeah, we just basically email him. He tells us what we need to do. We send him a load of stuff. He fills it all out, sends it all off. I mean, recently we've just had this thing. So every year when you've completed your year's worth of touring, you then have to send the carne off to Customs uh, Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Where it's all um, signed off and stuff. We sent that now about four weeks ago. Not heard anything. Sent it special <laughs> delivery, so, so we don't know at the moment. We
1: don't and know. And what is the that moment. for?
2: Just in case you have to pay VAT or tax on stuff. I think or? so. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I could come back with a fucking two grand bill. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you yeah. just don't know. I mean, I, you I mean, only may want to give you two grand, you know. You just got to jump when they say jump and do whatever they say. And yeah. you know, it's like fucking, it's like a lot of things now where you know you, you're trying to do something. Something come. Oh, you need to do this. Or oh, you need to pay this. You need to get one of these. You need to, you know. and You right. just like fucking giving money out. Going. Yeah. I don't know what any of this is for, but if I don't do it, we can't fucking carry on, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, um, like at the moment we're getting like a, just got a remortgaging done on the place where I live in the, in this housing co-op. And even, even in that process, it's just like, you know, have you got a fucking, have you got a report say you've got no bats in the fucking roof? And it's like, well, where did this come from? You know? Mm-hmm. And then you have to just contact the people who do that and pay them a load of money. And, it's all a yeah. fucking scam. Everyone's just like hands in the pocket whenever they can, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's just really annoying that you can't just uh you know, there's all this red red tape bureaucracy yeah. crap that you just have to keep paying for, doing whatever they say. When we say jump, you've got to jump, you know. There's you no know, it doesn't seem to be any way around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you go um, and-
0: yeah, it's it's interesting times with regard touring like that, and also, I mean, ev- everything has to change. Things are changing all the time. The other thing for us is like when you get to Europe now, most of Europe has uh, a one hundred and three dB limit.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, in
0: all the venues, uh, you know, which is kind of okay. You know, it's we don't want to make people deaf, but like Nod, for example, we're used to going out. I think a uh, what 112 1 maybe even 117 is like our standard you know like a fucking a snare drum is 100 db you know yeah. what i mean and we've got two of the cunts, you know what i mean <laughs> and uh it's like uh so that's interesting as well having to work around that and think about how maybe the sound needs to change for that or i mean luckily in places like when we had that issue at leges who the guys at the festival, the, the tech crew at the festival, had preempted what was going to happen. So they set us up on stage so that we felt like we were, you know, we had it set up in a way that we could get the full, the full whack. Yeah. yeah, it was really good on the stage. And then, but it, us being able to do that on the stage gave also our engineer a bit more headroom to mess about with on, on the front, even though it could only be 103 and it all went all right in the end but you I mean yeah. you're not going to ha- you're not going to have that luxury at every venue that you play at you know and it, it sounds like a small thing doesn't it it seems like a really small thing come on get over it just play at 103 db but there's something to be said about that drop in volume if you're used to playing louder than that the amount the amount of air that you're moving around the room it's fucking Im- important it's a it's, a, it's, a, it's part of the vibe you know what i mean it's yeah, exactly yeah. Fucking, yeah that's it's like it's 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 a thing, so... I don't know, it's inter- It's interesting now touring, like, yeah. it's kind of like... And I just, like, at a few festivals, uh, prices have gone up quite a bit. Have you, have you yeah. noticed that? Yeah. What, yeah.
1: Ticket prices for you guys when you play... The, the man,
0: unbelievable, man. Sometimes I look at the ticket prices and I go, fuck's sake, like, people yeah. paying tw- 20 quid to come and see Nod uh, and uh, two other bands or whatever, and I'm thinking to myself... Wow. Jesus Christ, like, well, how the hell did that happen, you know? And it's it's a bit mad. It, I mean, it's made me consider, like, how is there other ways to do gigs? Like, how, you know, is, is the old ways of doing things still the proper way of doing it? You know, getting your booking agent to book your fucking a month of shows. Yeah. Playing every fucking nook and cranny in Europe every fucking every night of the fucking week or is there another way of doing it does the whole game need to change instead of promoters booking you to play in their tiny little venue in say in some town in germany all these little promoters come together and put on one big gig in a more central part of it that you can get in and out you know is there another way of sort of making this this work but then that means changing the whole fucking thing. Like, imagine, imagine yeah. me going up. Imagine me going <laughs> to to Ricky at Swamp and going, "Okay, Ricky, change your business model." <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, let's let's try this. But I mean, I'm going to get Ricky on the podcast anyway, and I'm going I to should, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it'd be really interesting to like get his fucking take on it all. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I'd hate to be a booking agent. I'd fucking hate oh, it. it. Would man. do my yeah. fucking head Oh my god! Like, yeah, you know how Ricky Federico do it, man. It's uh, hard work. It's it is hard work, isn't it? Dealing with fuckers like me, and then and then dealing with you know <laughs> promoters, agents, yeah. agents yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking yeah. yeah. It's funny what you say about maybe changing how people do gigs and stuff, you know, because you know, obviously you travel with the back line and stuff, don't you? yeah so Mm -hmm. it's can you make it a bit more state sustainable in the sense of like um using the venues backline and stuff you know yeah in a big van and um you know travel a a lot more environmentally friendly you know yeah Um, yeah we've had a discussion about in the past like six wing but um because, you know, purely for the fact I don't have a bass amp anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think, think that could be an interesting way of, you know, trying to do things.
0: For know. sure, man. Yeah. I mean, we have thought about that for sure. And it is literally just a change of thinking because every every musician is attached to their fucking amp, aren't they? Oh, I've got to have my amp. It's my sound. especially yeah. Especially drummers. And I can kind of understand it with drummers. So you'd need to know you were rocking up to a gig where you had good gear, at least, or just completely let go of the idea that, you you, you know, just like it is what it is, you know? That's yeah. like the old ways. But yeah, Mugster I agree. I fell
1: foul of that once in, um, in, in Gulliver's in Manchester. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, I, think, I think it was like something to do with a John Peel night or something, and uh, Steve, the drummer for Mugstar, used to have this... 26 inch, don't know if you remember that. It was like a massive, yeah, yeah,
0: drum. yeah.
1: And uh, we were like, No, there's, there's a back line there, we can use everything. <laughs> we turned up, and the uh, bass drum was like, It was the size of a floor tom.
0: He <laughs> wasn't, <laughs> I, I think, I, I think I was at that gig, man. I think I was at that show, yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure I was at that show, yeah. Was that for uh, Steve, Steve Shy? Do you remember Steve Shy, Steve the Pog? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it was one of I think it was
0: one of his gigs, wasn't it? Stroke club. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was I think it was a stroke club gig. Yeah. 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 Steve the legend, man. He was a good lad. Yeah. Yeah, man. Ah, sweet. Yeah, that's well, it's one of them with with touring, Like fucking, just have to see what happens. it's like it has, something has to give with it now. Like something has to sort of change. But I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Like it'd be interesting to get Ricky or Fede on or both of them and just see what's coming down the line. Because surely they have their fucking fingers on the pulse of like what could be, what else could be coming down the line in regards yeah. to like venues and DB limits and fucking New ways of touring, you know what I mean. Tax as well,
2: withholding taxes. That's cool. Oh, that's
0: a, that's another thing. Yeah, have have you? We've been finding that a lot of the festivals we're playing in Europe now are, are, are sticking a tax on it, like a fifteen to fifteen to thirty percent withholding tax. Really on, on the fee? Yeah, yeah. Which is a fucker. A
1: lot of money in it.
0: Yeah. May it's just like is that,
1: where, is that in certain countries or is
0: just that just all over Europe? So, Germany, right. yeah. it seems like, I mean, the ones that we're getting hit with are Germany, um, definitely Germany, and Switzerland. I mean, Switzerland's not a surprise, because Switzerland's not even in Europe, not part of Europe anyway. But And Switzerland always has funny shit going on with it, but we've never had it before in Europe. Like, we've never had, you know, so we'll see. It's just one of them. We just have to see. We'll see how the touring goes this year, and then... Maybe it's the thing's
1: tour coming up, haven't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah. It's costing us a fortune, man. costing yeah. a fucking fortune to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, it's always fun and it's just an experiment. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we'll go back and figure out a new way of doing it. Maybe the thing to do is like do a Beatles thing, you know, just don't tour anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> just play oh, on, just, just play on people's roofs every now and then <laughs> for the crack. Yeah. <laughs> you know but I often think about that as well if you didn't tour for a year or two years but you released a load of good music had a couple of good albums and got people like you know really wanting to see it live yeah. then what what position could you put yourself in there now and say don't want to tour, want to do gigs but don't want to do the, the every nook and cranny of Europe tour yeah but you've got people demand, you've got demand for it, then how could you maybe do work the gigs out that way? Do you know what I mean? Just do a load, of, get your booking agent to try and get you on a load of good festivals or I mean, out ways we're of doing it.
2: Good way, it? Yeah. Yeah. We're in quite a good position when we tour, though. Um We've always been quite merch heavy and yeah. realised that that's where, you know, you've got your fee, but your merch sales are... Where you actually make the money, you know,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like if yeah. you
2: were to tour less, you'd be selling probably less merch in these places. Maybe I don't know. Um, you know, it's one of them, innit? You'd got to figure out if it's worth doing 30 smaller dates or 10 bigger dates,
1: yeah, <laughs> that makes you sell more merch,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: It's a, it's one of them, isn't it? It's a fucking, it's a mad old game, but fuck it.
2: And the also, thing is, if you were flying around, if you were flying around or getting trains or public transport, and having the back line at the venue, and you were you didn't have your van, you wouldn't be able to take that much merch around with yeah, you. Yeah, true, so true. you'd then have to organize it to be shipped to venues, I guess, yeah, or yeah. God knows. Yeah. So Just wear it. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Everyone put hundred t-shirts on. Stick
2: them all on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not a bad idea. I mean, <laughs> it might—it just might be the thing you'd have to do.
2: It's no, one do of it. them, you isn't have to it? you if you were touring on Ryanair fucking aircraft. Oh
1: man,
2: yeah.
0: It's one of those things. It's when I think about stuff like this, I th- I start to think, "Fuck now, why do I do this?" And then I remember, oh yeah, because I'm just a complete. Energy fiend, it's all about doing the gig and just getting that that little rush of of energy yeah. for that hour for that hour of doing it. That's still not got boring. That's still the fucking ultimate fucking dragon to chase. Yeah, same for and me. It, and it means all this other shit, merch, carnies, fucking blah blah blah. It's all it doesn't really mean anything because the main thing that matters is getting that fucking buzz out of the show. Yeah, I mean it's such a weird addiction. <laughs> never lose it, man, never lose it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it happening, man. <laughs> Fucking addict at this stage. But um but and sure, listen, we've we've rabbited on now and we've um you know, maybe have we covered everything? Is there anything you want to, to cover or talk about, Jason, while we're on it oh, here or... yeah, I think yeah, I'm happy with what we've spoken about. So yeah, um, all great, it's cool, been a bit fun to do. Yeah, man, and like we'll do. Let's do this again, and like we can plan yeah, it. it. Yeah. I'd like to plan. I'd like to plan it around when you've got, you know, maybe when you've got like a dome. The dome's released or something, and we can talk about that, and maybe even like share some of the music of it or whatever. You know, yeah. like you know, plan it around something you've got happening. Yeah,
1: because
0: right we also want to try and help promote our friends and the good stuff yeah. that they're doing do you know what I mean and that's that's what this is about so well, I
1: appreciate yeah. that well yeah. I'll tell you what I'll send you some bit
0: of music as well um, please do and then yeah. if you want to put yeah. it in please yeah. do ah nice one uh, nice one Jason man it's been uh, really, nice it really nice chatting to you nice to see your faces yeah <laughs> we could just keep chatting for hours really I feel yeah. like do you know what I mean yeah. but we'll, we'll save it for another time and cool. um, we'll see you um, see you around the way innit we'll see you around see the way you, if, um, well, if not before, in May. Yeah, yeah see you in May. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, look forward yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. it'll be fun. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Bye, brother. Take
2: care. See you later. Ciao. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.